All right. Well, welcome again. That was fun having the kids up front. We're so glad you're here to celebrate this awesome time of the year. And uh, if you've just joined us, you know that we're going, or you don't, might not know yet, that we're going through this series about God's generosity. And just remembering how gracious God is and how loving and how He just overwhelms us with everything that we need. We want to just remember that generosity from God and celebrate that. So this series is called Join in the Generosity. Uh, Pastor Wiles talked about God's generosity and how that gives us peace. And then last week we talked about how that makes us thankful. And then today we're going to be talking about how that brings joy to our lives. Don't we need joy in our lives? And we're going to be talking about that. And there's a really big difference between what is joy and what is happiness, which we're going to talk about. But what is joy? If you kind of just had to define what that is, let me start off with a definition of joy. Because you can define that in a lot of different ways. But today I'm going to be talking about kind of in a, in a biblical sense, in a Christian sense of what joy is. It's this, it's this excitement, this good feeling inside of us, this contentment that surpasses our situations. When I think of the world and how they think of happiness and, and people want to do things to make themselves happy, it kind of has the uh, focus on the worldly things or things in our circumstances, but joy is something beyond that. I remember an experience of, of just this kind of like a joy as opposed to a happiness as we were talking to the kids and thinking about this Sunday. I was remembering another Christmas when I was a child. Now, I grew up with six boys. My mom and dad were always amazing with the gifts. I shared about that last week. But I was remembering when I was a little kid, and I really wanted to bless my dad with a gift, and I didn't know what to get him. I didn't have any money. I wasn't a time like where I was earning money or anything. And we were out in our neighborhood playing one day with my friends, and I saw something in the gutter in the streets. And I went over, and it was a shaving kit full of things, full of an electric shaver and shaving cream and a toothbrush and all the normal things that you would find in a shaving kit. And it was all zipped up clothes. It was a nice little leather thing. And I looked at that and I was like, yes, it was like the heavens had provided this amazing gift. So I took that home. I wrapped it up. I gave it to my dad. My dad opens it on Christmas morning, this disgusting used shaving kit. He opens it up and he looks at it and he just says, what is this? And I said, it's an electric shaver and a shaving kit. And I saw this confused look on his face and he says, where did you get this? I said, I found it in the street with pride, you know. And my dad just looked at me with the most sincere look and he's like, thank you. Thank you. You It's like, what a great response. I'm sure that gift did not make him happy, okay? That went in the trash, I hope. There was nothing in there that he would save. But my heart and my my attitude of wanting to bless him brought him joy, even though it wasn't something that would make him happy. I love the movies about this theme. One of my favorite movies during this time of the year, probably yours, It's a Wonderful Life. Here's a picture of George Bailey with his family all around him. This message of this, of this movie, if you haven't seen it, this is going to be a huge spoiler alert. He is so unhappy with his life. 
even though he's surrounded by blessing, even though he's surrounded by things that would bring him a deep contentment, a joy. He's so focused on the circumstantial things of his life that don't bring him happiness as he, he wants to end his life. And God and this angel Clarence give him another chance to see life in a different way. And in this scene, he's surrounded by his family. He's surrounded by the people that love him. And he's remembered of what is really important in life. And his circumstances haven't changed that much when he comes back into his new life. But he has a joy because his eyes have been changed. And that is what God is asking us to do during this season, to make sure our eyes are changed on what really brings joy. Even though the circumstances of our lives might not make us happy at times, and there's hard things that we're going through, we can still have joy. Philippians 4.4 gives us this command. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Bible tells us, even in this book of Philippians, that, uh, that Paul is writing from jail. His circumstances are very difficult, but the whole book is about having joy in our circumstances regardless of what's going on. And we say, well, how can I have joy when there's hard things going on in life? And it's because of where our focus is and what I'm going to talk about two things here. But I know that in life, hard things happen. And I know that even in the Christian realm, I feel like the people of the world sometimes look at us as Christians and they think, gosh, they're so serious. They just seem so down. They seem so overly focused at times. This is the, the perception that some people have of us. And you know, this isn't a new perception. At the turn of the century, there was an author and satirist named H.L. Merkin, and here's his definition of Puritanism. He said, Puritanism is this, the haunting fear that someone somewhere may be happy. <laughs> okay? That was his perception of Christianity. Okay, that, that Christians are out there to just take the fun out of life. And that is so not true. That is not God's heart. Matter of fact, the scripture says, we have reason to be filled with joy more than anyone else in this world. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Here's the big idea. We can be filled with joy because of God's generous love and truth. There's lots of reasons for us to be joyful, but two things I want to focus on today is that we can be filled with joy today during this Christmas season as we focus on these two foundational things of our Christian faith is God's love and the truth that he brings us into. We're going to jump into John chapter 15 verses 9 and 11. Where, where Jesus elaborates on this. And this is where the big idea comes from. In John 15, Jesus is talking about being connected to the vine. If you're familiar with this passage. He said, if you really want to be fruitful in life, you want to have a great life, stay connected to Jesus. If the branch isn't connected to the vine, you're not going to bear any fruit. That's where we get our nutrition. That's where we get our water from. We get our life from staying connected to the vine of Jesus. That's what this chapter is about. And then in verse 9, he says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And look at this. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Jesus says, I want you to focus in on my love for you. And I want you to walk with me and obey my truth and obey my commands. And why do I tell you this? To take your fun away? No, I have told you this, that my joy might be in your hearts and that that joy might be complete. I love this translation in NLT. It says this in verse 11. Same kind of thing, but a little little change to it. It says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That completeness of joy that God gives us is such an overwhelming, wonderful joy that it actually overflows our hearts and affects the people around us. So how can we have that kind of joy in our life? And here's two of the ways that we can do that. Is first, just what this passage says, is focusing on the love and the truth of God. So let's jump into point number one. God's love is a great source of joy. God's love for us is a great source of joy. When I was first a Christian, I had to go through many mental gymnastics to believe that God really loved me. I had a sense of God that he was a hard, stern God with folded arms and and a grimace. I believed that God was just a million miles away from me and mankind, just judging the earth. And just through that perception that I had of God, it was hard for me to want to be in a relationship with him because I felt just only the fear, only the awe, only the judgment, the wrath, the trembling of God, which of course aspects of that are true, but I had no idea that God loved me intimately. I had no idea that God wanted a relationship with me. That was a very new thing to me to understand that God was crazy about me. And that is the most true thing that we can say about your relationship with God is that he is crazy about you. He loves you intimately, regardless of what you've done. And listen to this in John 15, verse 9, as we just read that first part. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now I want you to just think about that for a minute. Can you imagine Jesus saying to the disciples, or saying to you personally, this this God that's a million miles away and only looks at you with a grimace on his face because he's so disappointed in you. And Jesus says to you, you know how much the Father loves me, Jesus? That's how much I love you. Wow, that is a lot of love. How much does the father love his son? I mean, could we put words to that this morning? Could we talk about that and even cover a thimble full of how much God loves his son? When he was baptized and the the Holy Spirit comes down in the dove and he says, this is my son in whom I am so well pleased. The Father's honoring of Jesus, 
the father's uh, pouring out of love. And when he'd go off into the mountains and Jesus just wanted to go spend time with his father, the intimacy. And then Jesus ascending to heaven and being right back there at the, the throne, at the right hand of God. God loves his son. If any of you have children, you know what it means to just really love your kids. You would do anything for them. All you want them to do is to know your heart. And Jesus says this, as much as the heavenly father loves Jesus, that's how much you get also. That's how much he loves us. That's an overwhelming thought because we feel so unworthy. This is why, and we just sang the song, Joy to the World, we say, and wonders of his love. You know, we just sang that. And wonders of his love. You could wonder about that your whole life and never encapsulate how much God loves you and cares for you. God is not looking at us with a grimace and with folded arms. And for me to even interact with God and spend lots of time just reading over the verses about God's love and just filling my mind with the truth and even changing my, my misconceptions, to have that picture of God just standing there with open arms and a smile on his face to me, that was pretty revolutionary in my life. That is why I would run through a brick wall for Jesus. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because the people in this church tell me to. Not because um, I, that's what I ought to do. Not out of just the fear of God. Not out of all the reasons that we come to church or the things that we manufacture of like why I want to be a Christian. The simple love of God and Him saying to me, Matt, I love you. Come to me and just see this smile that's on my face. That is why I want to live for him the rest of my life. That's my driving passion in life for everything that I do. And I know that I only have a thimble full of it. And man, I pray for you. I, I long that if you don't know that truth, that this Christmas season you would be pondering that. You would be thinking about, you would wonder about his love for you. The second thing that we'll talk about today goes on to the next verse in verse 10. As we continue on, he says this, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. He says, if you keep my commands, you live in that love. You remain in it. You walk in it. Now we might pause right there and say, wait a minute. I thought we were in love here. I thought you loved me. Why are you now commanding me to do things? I thought we were good. Now you want me to obey you? But if you really think about it, doesn't that make total sense? If we're giving our heart to this God, we're believing in him, we trust him, and we say, I love you, of course we're going to want to get his direction and do what he wants, right? That's how love works. I love my wife. I would do anything for my wife. I know that she loves me. And we have this relationship. And she doesn't necessarily command me to do things, although maybe once in a while she does. Most of the time she says, hey, I would like you to do this for me. And I'd say, yes, I would love to do that. 
because I love you and I trust you. And I can do the same with her. How much more for our relationships with God when he says, do you trust me? Do you really trust me? Then you'll listen to me. You will walk in my truth. And that's the second point, is that God's truth leads us to a consistent joy. You and I want to know how to live this life. And we want to know what direction God wants us to. And as much as this world would tell us in this age of tolerance that everything is truth, everything is okay, all religions lead to God, just do whatever makes you feel right and you'll be good, that doesn't make any logical sense. It doesn't make any uh, practical sense. And you know, I love the truth. I always have loved the truth. When I studied chemistry at Bowling Green State University, I love science. When I taught chemistry and physics, I love, I love the, the truth of it. I love the math of it. I've always loved math all through my schooling. And then when I was studying theology, I love truth. I want to know I'm on the right path. I knew early on that there were places that, that the world will lead me that are just flat out wrong. And that even my emotions could lead me to wrong places. And the Bible says this so clearly. You know, in John chapter 1, verse 14, you know, we don't talk about this verse much as a Christmas verse because we mostly focus in Matthew and Luke. But really, this is a very Christmassy verse. In John 1, it talks about the Word being God and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's Jesus. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This verse tells us so much but it says that God, as the Word, came to earth. The incarnation, the Christmas story, and He came here to dwell among us. Why did He come and live on this earth? Why didn't He just stay in heaven? We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit about this grace and truth. Matter of fact, we just sang that also in Joy to the wor World. It says, He rules the world with truth and grace. He rules this world with truth. His capital T, truth, and with grace. And I know as we, uh, we talk about these things, about having this joy based on something that's real, based on something that's true. This truth brings us joy because when our emotions are taking us in different places, we have this anchor, we have this foundation that what he says is true. And I know emotions are good. Emotions are something that God gives us. And sometimes we just have reactions to things and emotions, and that's, that's fine and good. Sometimes they lead us to good places, sometimes they don't. But God can direct our emotions. You know, if you've ever just needed an example of this, sometimes when you're in counseling and you've studied things in counseling, they kind of have these counseling terms or pictures that kind of help you deal with things. And I remember one of them that they talked about was the snake and the stick. 
And if you've ever seen a snake or or hopefully not been bit by a snake, you know, okay, those can be very dangerous things, right? So imagine you're walking through the woods and you see a snake. You're going to have a response. You're going to have an emotion, right? Well, then you kind of are filled with fear. You back up, you, you run back, and then you look again and you actually see it's a stick. It wasn't a snake at all. So your emotion and your reaction were reacting to something that you thought was true, but it actually wasn't true. It was only a stick. And sometimes our emotions lead us to truth. Sometimes we have emotions that are not based on truth. I remember Ravi Zacharias had this story that was really funny. And he talked about this man that played bagpipes. And this man played the bagpipes beautifully. And this other pastor friend of his said to the the gentleman, hey, there's this homeless man that's passed away. And he has no family. He has no friends. He's going to be buried all alone. Would you do me a huge favor and go to his funeral and just play a song at his burial site? And And the guy that played the bagpipe said, yeah, absolutely. You know, where is it? He gets directions. It's deep in the hills of Kentucky. And he goes and he's driving. He's trying to find this place. And it's before the age of GPS. And he's looking and he just can't find this place. There's back roads and and hills and trees. And he can't really see where he's going. And he's getting a little panicked because he doesn't know where he's going. And he's late. And as he's just driving around frantically late, he finally sees a field. And he sees some men out there with shovels in the field. He's like, oh, okay, finally. He pulls in and he runs over and he's so late as he gets there and he looks in. They've already sealed it shut with the, with the cement um, vault. And he's like, oh my goodness, I've missed it. And these men with the shovels are just standing there. He's like, what should I do? He's like, you know what? I'm just going to play anyway. And he pulls the bagpipes out and he plays Amazing Grace. And he puts his heart into it. And it's like one of the most beautiful renditions he's ever done. And he's just playing his heart out. And tears start coming down his eyes as he plays. And he looks at the men with the shovels as he's playing. And they're starting to tear up too. He's like, wow, this is so powerful. And he gets done. And he's walking back to the car. And he hears one of the workers say, wow, in all my years, in all my years, and He's feeling really pleased with what he did. And he walks a little farther back to his car and he overhears him again. The guy says, in all my years of installing septic tanks, have I ever heard something like that before? (laughs) There was a lot of emotion, but it wasn't based on truth. I was really hoping for a lot bigger laugh than that from you guys. (laughs) Our emotions can be based on something that is not true, but true joy is rooted in God's truth. There's a lot of emotion in this world. We have to be focused on the fact of, is it true? And I love that Jesus is so clear about this in his scriptures when he says, I am the truth. I am the gate. I am the door. I am the light. He is the truth, the way, and he's the one that we can not only give our hearts to, and that gives us so much joy, but it's something that we love him with our minds because we know it's true. 
and we know that it's something that he's given us credibility through his resurrection. As we close this out, I was just thinking about how important it is for us to share this message with the people around us. And as we close out this, um, this Christmas season, I was just thinking about the verses that really demonstrate his love and his truth together. And, uh, you know, there's always a lot of verses that we can turn to. Matter of fact, uh, tomorrow night we're going to give you a passage for you to read uh, on your own, to read to your family about the Christmas message. And there's so many different verses that we could turn to that just talk about the Christmas message and about the, the truth and the grace and the, and the love of God. And, uh, and sometimes when you're even um, out and about, you're thinking, what, what's a verse that I could share with somebody? What's a verse that really sums all this up? And I know sometimes at football games, when you're watching people hold up a sign, John 3.16, which is a great verse, and, and I love that heart because, you know, the message can be lost in this world of this Christmas season, um, and, and I love that people are just kind of focusing in on a verse so that people would read it, and people would say, okay, what is that verse, and they, and they would read that, and so John three sixteen is a really popular one. I saw this picture the other day. I was actually watching this football game, and here's a picture of another verse of someone that just has that heart to tell people, why do we have joy during this season? And those are actually Carson Wentz's cleats. He's a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, I love hearing about Carson Wentz and some of the other guys on the team because they really love Jesus. And a lot of the guys on the team have become saved, and a lot of the guys have gotten baptized. And Carson Wentz is a guy that knows his happiness isn't as important as his joy in Jesus. And he was hurt last season. He didn't even get to play in the Super Bowl. And then he's just been hurt again this year, and he's not able to play. And, uh, but he would be the first to say is that his joy isn't based on the circumstances of life. And the other day, he was wearing these cleats. And uh, you might see, I don't know how well you can see it on the screen behind me, but it says John 1.29. And on those cleats there, there's a picture of a lion and then the crucified Jesus in the silhouette. I don't know how well you can see that there um, next to that. Showing the power of a lion and the sacrifice of Jesus. And John 1.29 says this. This is when John the Baptist saw Jesus walking in when John was baptizing some, some people. And he says this. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Does that verse encapsulate truth and love so beautifully? We have sin. We needed somebody to come and take away our sin. You and I couldn't do it. We've made too many mistakes. Our laundry list is long. And all the good deeds in the world weren't going to erase the sins on our soul. We needed someone to come and take away our sin. That's the truth. And God 
could stand in judgment of us because of that. But he didn't stop at that truth. He went on to love. And he says, he provided himself as the Lamb of God to take away those sins for everyone that would receive it. Behold, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who came to take away the sins for you and I. That's the Christmas message. That's the summation of the truth and the love of God. And so as we pray this morning, what's your response? What is your response to him today? We sang, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Would you receive him during this time? That's our response. He's come, he loves you with all of his heart, and he wanted to die for your sins, but you and I have to receive that now. So I'm going to pray and just ask that we would have open hearts to whatever he has for us. And he says, I love you, remain in me, walk in my commands, and let's enjoy this life together. That's his hope for every one of us. So let's pray.